Welcome back to the Eucatropolis Podcast. I'm James Hill. In this episode, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to share with you an interview that I did recently with Alex Beds, a good friend of mine from the UK who manages the Southern Ukulele Store in Bournemouth. He and I met years ago at the Southern Ukulele Store, and we've kept in touch, and uh, we have a lot in common. There's a lot of love for ukulele, a lot of love for songwriting, and um, a shared passion for teaching ukulele. Alex is also a prolific YouTuber and a podcaster. And I went on his show recently called Ukes With, and uh, I did an interview with him. And I thought, um, since I've never been interviewed on the Uketropolis podcast, that I would share that interview with you now. So I hope you'll check out Alex, his YouTube channel, and his podcast, which is excellent and which has a lot of uh, great guests on it. I'll link all of those things in the show notes so you can follow up with Alex and get to know him a little bit better. So in the meantime, I hope you enjoy Alex's interview with me. Take care, and I'll see you soon. Hi there, I'm Alex, and welcome to the Ukes with Podcast. My guest this week is my favorite ukulele player of all time. Uh, this guy is the ukulele entrepreneur. He's the original gangster of the ukulele, in my opinion. This is James Hill. James, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. And it's great to see you. It's great to do this. I mean, just uh, before we start, I'll just say to the people at home, we've actually filmed this podcast once before, but various technical issues meant we had to do it again. And uh, I cancelled on James so many times that it, by rights, he should not be here filming this. <laughs> <laughs> the, he's, the man has given me more chances than I deserve. So we're here and we are going to talk everything James Hill, uh, starting with the UKEDS project. The UKEDS thing, I love the idea that you can have this individual kind of NFT persona avatar thing, the ukulele. Yeah, the the project just grew out of this, um, the idea that maybe, just maybe, it's possible to make an album that everybody is invited to play on. Like, that's really all it is. I mean, ukulele is such a participatory instrument, Um we all know what it's like to sit in a jam session and feel that magic of uh, kind of Kapila and just being together and making music in the room. And, and then, then you go to record an album and it's just like, okay, now it's just me time. So everybody just stop playing and I'm going to record this album. I'm going to play these songs for you, but you know, uh, just sit and listen. And, you know, I've done that and all, all of us who are in the business have done that and we'll continue to do that. But I thought it was, it was an interesting moment to try, especially because we were all around in the pandemic and people know what Zoom is now and we're more accustomed to collaboration across distance. Maybe now is the time to try to do a collaborative album with my friends and my fans and something that I've wanted to do for years and years, kind of split the difference between a concert and a workshop because it it's it's like an album that's also um, a teaching experiment. Uh and so my friend Chris, who I grew up playing ukulele with, Chris Parsons uh, out in Vancouver, he and I just started talking about this. It almost started as one of those things like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we, you know, <laughs> and it just got more and more serious. Yeah. And and then it, it ended up being this amazing 
musical journey with you know what ended up being about 250 people all playing together on the album and uh, we're we're nearing the end of the process it's hard to believe but we're we're almost there it's i mean there's so many little things that i could talk about about how you know what worked what didn't uh what i might do differently next time how i even had the time to uh, create a community around these songs because most of the time when you're recording an album, all you're trying to do is just finish the songs. <laughs> you're just trying to write the last lyric and nail down the last chord progression and then boom, you got to get in there and record it. But, uh, it, you know, we could get into all that if you want. And w- whether or not it's a blueprint for anybody else, I think is a big open question or whether this was just kind of the perfect storm uh, of, of things that, that came together and it's a one-time offer. Uh, you know, those are open questions. And the project itself has been going on for what, probably about 12, maybe 18 months now. And it's like an ongoing thing this whole time. Yeah, it's not quite that long because we're doing one song a month. We took one month off. We're on song, song number eight. I think we started up in like June of 2022. Um, yeah, but it's it's been going for long enough that the people have really gotten to know each other and it really has become uh, like part album, part community, which was really the the idea um, at the outset. It's such a it's such a unique thing to the ukulele because the guitar world, for all of its kind of massive reach, just seems to lack that. Perhaps it's too big with mm. the ukulele. Like you can get these pockets and these small communities. I've seen so many examples of that in the kind of well the two years i've been doing the podcast really so many of the guests rely on this sense of community spirit with the ukulele that kind of i guess if you're like trying to stereotype it you call it like that aloha spirit but it's so much deeper than that and Hmm. the modern world and the pandemic i i've noticed that people have people who have used the ukulele as their hobby they really the social aspect of it whether it's on zoom or in the flesh and it's great and Every person who's ever walked into my shop, you know, they play a ukulele, they have aspirations of doing something, whether it's performing or being in the studio. And how does the recording process work then? If people play on the album, then they record their bit at home. And then, you know, could you just talk a little bit about that? Definitely. Because that was one of those things going into this that we were like, I don't know exactly how we're going to do this. I'm sure we can do it. Everybody's walking around with a supercomputer in their back pocket. There's got to be a way to get everyone, regardless of their age or their 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 uh, tech savviness, there's got to be a way for them to at least get us something. And then we can try to work with that and to fashion it into some mix. And that's exactly what we did. Um, we really left it open to people uh, how they wanted to record. Some people have a almost professional recording setup. Some people have a semi-professional recording setup and some people just have literally (laughs) their phone on a voice memo and that's it. And we've got soup to nuts every time we put out a song and we we do a monthly rehearsal on Zoom. They get uh, a session with me. We go through the song. I show them the parts that I've written for them. Um, And that's one thing people sometimes don't understand that their parts are written like uh, what I, I'm not saying. Okay, now 250 people take a solo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that at all. I mean, I wasn't that ambitious, you know. Um, so, so they there's always one singing part and one playing part, and they can do one or the other or both. Um, they listen to my guide track on their headphones, and they 
press record on their phone or whatever they have. They're not lined up or anything. We line everything up manually later. It's it's a big job, but it was. Oh, <laughs> I would not want to be the one doing that. It's not super fun that part of it, but it's a small price to pay for the for the overall product. And I think if you burden people too much with like, okay, now everybody line up with zero. I want you to create a project in. Logic or Cubase or Pro Tools. I want it to be this tempo. I want you to lock it to the grid and export it from this point. I mean, forget it. You know, you're 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 cutting off a whole whack of the population who could be meaningfully engaged in this project, but you're scaring them off with science. And I didn't want to do that. And I, you know, you send us your voice memo. We are going to make sure it gets in the mix because it's that's the right thing to do. Well, I mean, I. I really, really look forward to, I'm going to try and kind of put a little bit of a, a snippet in for people now before we kind of move on. But yeah, the UK thing has really done it for me. And we haven't really talked about the avatar element of it, like the actual illustrations. How do, mm-hmm. how's that, how does that work? Have you got one illustrator who's created kind of X amount of, of heads? Uh, well, there were 1,879 heads to begin with, because we wanted to get the, the ukulele's birthday in there. Yeah. Uh, so we had 1,879 heads and we onboarded about 250 or 300 people. Um, once the project is done, by the way, we're going to burn the ones that weren't sold. So if a person wants to get in and just have a, a collector's item um, before the album is finished, because at that point, all of the others will disappear and you'll it'll only be a set of however many we sold. Um you know, get in now while you still can. Uh, there's still time to actually be in the band. If you wanted to join the band, just go to ukeds.com. Like, you can still buy in for the last, like, three songs. And what, what kind of price is that? It it was, because uh, <laughs> we wanted to get the ukulele's birthday in there. So it was uh, $187.90. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it, it works out to... We had to eventually we had to convert it to Canadian dollars because of our payment processor, but it was 187.90 US to buy in to the band for the entire year and 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 beyond. The idea was to give people sort of um, you know this sort of special ticket they they that they would that they would um, keep with them for a long time, and maybe down the line we do a, a festival and they get a discount or they might get. Uh, special access to some um, coursework online or they we might get the band together you know in a, in a year or two and do a single you know like the idea was to make it go beyond this one project and that's why the nft thing was appealing because that is sort of it, it's a ticket stub that's valid sort of forever or at least as long as the internet exists so that was the idea but but people honestly didn't the nft thing <clears throat> was never the heart and soul of the project it was just the it was just how you got your ticket and honestly uh only a small fraction of people who signed up actually redeemed it for the for the nft itself we allowed people to just sign up and we would hold the nft for them if they didn't have a wallet that they could store it in and the vast majority of people just did that and they they didn't seem to care about the nfts they just wanted to be part of the band and wanted the musical experience and uh i'm glad we did it that way because again we would have we would have missed out on involving a lot of people if we'd if we'd really made it uh 
focused on the technology, which we didn't. Yeah, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not a cynic at all. As someone who's been in bands for, I mean, like 22, 23 years, just trying to find something that includes people that's unique that gets people talking and at the core of it, like the good value for money. Like I actually, like I had no idea about the price, but it's mm. less than I assumed because I'm guessing, does that include those kind of those zoom lessons leading up to learning the tunes? I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, I, I think I really hope that you continue that project and it becomes something that you do, you do carry on with because the amount of people I know that, hopefully we'll see this and then they'll go, well, I wish I'd seen this from the start, you know, um, (laughs) and a bit, you know, seamlessly you mentioned, um, 1879 and you're wearing a hoodie that just constantly reminds you of the ukulele's birthday. So (laughs) could you tell us a little bit more about 1879 and, uh, yeah, I'd love to. And why I have that sign, uh, like glowing behind me. Um, yeah, 1879, I've always been, I've always been into art and uh, to finish answering your last question, I don't know if this is a good thing to put out there or if this makes me look cheap, but I did all the UKED's artwork myself. You know, I didn't hire a person to, to do the artwork. I did that. You know, that was an art project for me. Uh, and and a lot of people think they look hokey and a lot of people love them. And I got to show you. Hold on. I got to show you because UKED's have gone nuts making stickers and they do look really good on, on in stickers. Hold on one sec. So they've now, this is totally UKED's initiative. They've got this like global sticker trading ring <laughs> where they like, they make stickers of their UKEDs and then they like send them to each other in the mail and they, and I've got this little case, you know, covered in them now. And I never thought that we would do that with the UKEDs. Um, oh my God, I love that. And if any of your UKEDs are watching, <laughs> I I collect stickers and I collect oh, wicked. memorabilia. I would be eternally grateful if anybody <laughs> reaches out to me at Southern Ukulele Store and sends me some or, you know. Yeah, if it's that'd like, be awesome. I just even if you send me like the a version of it that I can get printed or put on a poster or something for the shop i think that is oh, yeah. such a good idea i love it they go so well on cases and and they're they're so colorful and it was a project that i've i've always been interested in generative art so where the artist creates the conditions for the work but then just winds it up and puts it down and the work kind of generates itself and that's what what how the ukeds were created so i created all of the it's like it's like playing a, a digital game of Mr. Potato Head. You know, you you create all of the features, and then you load them up into this um, program, and you say how many you want and what variations you are interested in exploring, and how likely each one is to um, actually pop up, and and then you run the program, and and it and it sort of assembles all of these things. And uh, I thought that that was a really interesting project. And that's, uh, there were a lot of combinations that I never personally would have put together that I think look really cool. And, you know, on, on a, on a side note, I'm really interested in generative music and I have projects that are side projects that have something or sometimes nothing to do with ukulele that are generative music projects uh, where you create, you create songs by, how how do I describe it? Um, you you create the parts of the songs, and then you sort of let them jumble up against each other, and you and the performers 
don't know how it's going to unfold in the performance. Uh, it's especially challenging when you've got this, um, when you've got a melody that you're singing over top of these generative uh, harmonies and it's, it's constantly reharmonizing itself, but you're having to hold the same melody that you always sing over top of it. I mean, imagine if you were singing like country roads in a jam session, but everybody played different chords every time. Like you'd still sing the country roads melody. It, it's, it really does your brain in it. And, and I find it so refreshing to constantly be navigating. It's kind of like how a surfer must feel a little bit like you're always surfing, but the wave's always a bit different. You can't just you can't just phone it in and go like oh yeah I've done this before I'm just on a board and this is a wave so bada bing it's it's done you're you're always having to be very I guess I would say you you got to be present you know in that moment and be with that harmony and sort of ride that harmony with this melody the melody's like the surfboard and the harmony's like the wave that to me is just been a really amazing uh, musical journey and and none of that music is out there yet it's something that. My, my wife and I are, are working on as a duo, but it's it's coming out soon. And uh, there's some ukulele in it. I'm also playing fiddle. And uh, this relates, I guess, to the UKEDs because the idea of generative art, art that you don't micromanage, art that you, that you um, grow from seed, but then you sort of let it be its own thing. You don't, you don't end up putting every hair on its head. You don't end up putting every pixel in exactly the place that you think you want it. You allow the art to literally just unfold itself um, based on the, you know, some loose parameters that you create. And I've been into this music since I was a, you know, teenager and finally finding a way to bring it into my professional life has been, you know, know, really satisfying. Oh, such an in-depth answer. I, uh, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> Did you ask you know me about what? my I shirt? I don't even know, but it's fine. If, <laughs> if the question was too far away from it, mm-hmm. I'll just cut around it and ask a question that's relevant. <laughs> it, it also that's funny. You talk about uh, you talk about your wife um, Anne, and I, I've been lucky enough to meet you guys quite a few times and, and chat to Anne. And I, I, I guess I just kind of want to selfishly talk about one of your past albums one of one of the most mm-hmm. important albums to me kind of really helped me uh with my personal interest in the ukulele was your old silo album mm. and uh, i was fortunate enough that i've been i've been on the, around on the ukulele longer than most now and you know i kind of followed your career from um kind of man with a love song was that the yeah. Name of the album? yeah yeah and, that's right yeah. um your old silo album for me was just an absolute turning point for the ukulele it was the first accessible ukulele album where i would get people who were not into the ukulele or perhaps dismiss the ukulele um and kind of said give this a go and for me um it really got me into kind of americana but that kind of that kind of early country and uh, Mm. i just absolutely love that album and thanks I guess the reason I wanted to bring it up is because the, your most recent course, uh, kind of it tailors, it's tailored to that kind of thing. It's focused on that kind of thing. Like you're a jazz guy, really. I can see it. I can, I mean, you look like a jazz guy. <laughs> Do <but> I? Also, <laughs> you, you teach jazz in such a, like an inspiring and enthusiastic way, but with, uh, with Americano, you, that, that's your kind of recent course. And, the old silo album was that kind of thing. What what's your yeah. what's your history of that, and how do you relate that into your teaching? Well, that's a really interesting question because 
it's funny how people perceive you and how you perceive yourself. You know, obviously this is not an insight that, you know, the way you feel about yourself is different the way than the way people see you. And, um, I, cause like, it's interesting to me cause I've never thought of myself as a jazz player. I, I feel, I feel like I'm a jazz tourist, you know, like I, I am interested in jazz. Like I do like to go there. I don't live there. If you know what I mean? You've, you've, yeah, you phrased that so well. That's very accessible. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, and I don't want to pretend that I do, um, because that's a whole lifestyle. I mean, uh, to, to really devote yourself, you know, body and soul to jazz is, is a life's work. And I have devoted myself, I would say, I'll give myself some credit to say, I've devoted myself to bringing, jazz onto my ukulele in a meaningful way and trying to bring others to that place with their ukuleles. That's a very specific slice of, you know, how I interact with jazz. Um, I love jazz harmonies on the ukulele. I love the way they feel. I also love how accessible they are and how it's always so surprising to people that G6 is easier to play than G, <laughs> you know, that that uh, C6 is easier to play than C, that, you know, G9 is easier to play than G7. Like, people just freak out when they realize that they've been working so hard to play B-flat, and then B-flat major 7 is like a holiday for them. Uh, that it, is it, such that a fun thing to do. learning, doesn't it, as well? Because I think so. You don't, like, for me, like, I was a guitarist for years before I, I hit that stride on the ukulele, and mm-hmm. now I'm I'm kind of all about major 7s and those flattened 7s and, and those chord progressions and how they work, and the ukulele mm-hmm. improved my guitar playing, and my guitar playing improved because my ukulele, you, you know, it's... it. Oh I, yeah, I love it. But you're for sure. You picked up a uke, so you mean business. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, just I love jazz harmonies, the way they come out on the ukulele. Because I, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I find jazz intimidating, just like everybody else. But what I love about what the ukulele does is, I don't have to know what I'm doing to make beautiful sounds. You know. I've always approached music in a music first way, you know. Um, I like this sound. You know, I actually don't know what those chords are right now. I could figure them out. I know that one's B flat six. But, you know. I can figure those chords out, but it's more just like I, I know the shapes and I know how they move from one to the other. It's very, Jazz on the ukulele is very geometric. It's just like this one goes to that one and that finger goes to that one and do 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 You know, in some ways it's much more symmetrical and uh, geometric than even just playing Country Roads. You know, Country Roads, you, you have like a one-finger chord... And then you've got this two-finger chord in a completely different configuration. That's F. And then you want a G or a G7. Well, that's a three-finger chord in, in yet another different configuration. And jazz is like, no. We're just going to have, like, one shape. And then we're going to have a second shape. And guess what? You can just use that like a stamp. And just, like, stamp that on any fret. Put it there. Put it here. Put it here. And then resolve it occasionally. 
And then they're like, that's jazz. I, I find as intimidating as jazz is, it begins with the sound. Uh, and, and, and you can almost feel the history of jazz where people are like, let me take that little 2-5 chord progression. Let me just move it over here and see what happens. Oh, cool. Now let me move it over here and see what happens. And it becomes this kind of like this way of almost teleporting through different keys. But you don't really have to know what you're doing to fundamentally connect to jazz. In some ways, you have to know more what you're doing to fundamentally connect to You Are My Sunshine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I've, I've always found jazz is this amazing sort of wormhole uh, pedagogically. And, and, and I love that. But uh, what was the question? Americana. Americana. I, did, I didn't ask you about jazz. <laughs> like, a, like a proper jazzer, though, you ignored right. the Americana bit. And went straight for the jazz. <laughs> but I circled around to it eventually. <laughs> but you see, Americana, I feel, um, is really kind of where my heart is. Um, that music, it just lives with me all the time. I mean, I when I hear this like lonesome sound... Better if it's in tune. But. You know, the hollowness of that sound. It, it, for me, personally, it just, like, it captures my mood. It, it captures the the questions that I have, the sort of the void of existence. You know, like, this music is so deep. Um, there's only two notes in that chord, but somehow it sort of, it, 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 it helps me to express something that I don't have the words for in a way that, you know, um, other styles of music don't. And, and when, when you start to, you start to get into something like Clawhammer and the sort of hypnotic rhythmic... people ask me what do you play when you sit around and just play ukulele for yourself it's um it's small music that takes me to you know big places you know when when i don't have to project to a big audience it's that kind of small bubble of sound that i like to lose myself in and 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 i find you know i i'm just drawn time and time again to these simple these simple songs that that say so much and that to me is the essence of americana um i mean i get it i do and it's great to see you teaching that there's quite a lot of that kind of basic country 
kind of but how to kind of busk your way through country music on the ukulele <laughs> but what i mm. what i've really enjoyed is about a week ago just for anyone listening to this at home like james sent me uh kind of a login to have a look at his americana course and um i did not have a lot of free time i had kind of one evening to have a look at it but what i loved about the course and something i'd not seen from other teaching experiences was you get an email every day the first week of the course with james encouraging you and kind of trying to push you in the right direction with the course and i really love that i love that when i eventually got to look at it it felt really perfectly kind of uh, kind of choreographed the emails work so well <laughs> with it and i love that i i love it's a little it's a tiny extra touch but it's something that really made me kind of go yeah i kind of get why james is why james is the james hill like you've always <laughs> had like a i don't know like there's an element of um i i'm quite happy to kiss your ass james because it, I've been, <laughs> okay like i've been working with ukuleles for 14 years this year and mm. you know there was a point about five six years in where i was kind of like ah i don't know if this is for me um and both times I've met you and seen you perform live at the shop and times I've come across you and your music, I, you're, you're one of those key things that kind of keeps me invested in the ukulele and reinvigorates me. Uh, so to see Thanks. that come across in your teaching of your courses, I think that's fantastic. And I really urge the people out there, you know, if you're into kind of ukulele tuition, it's not just the paid stuff, you know, James, you know, James and I are talking about all this stuff that he does that you can, get involved in but i actually really love the youtube channel james has got a, probably about 50 or 60 different tips and tricks on his youtube channel there's a couple of videos there that are really quite kind of uh quite iconic now in the ukulele sphere as things that people <laughs> have have kind of adopted and uh, i can only imagine for you how funny it must be sometimes like uh, on a small scale i get people quote things i've said back to me from youtube mm. videos you know right. like advice about ukuleles which is my gig you know people saying oh you know i've read online or i've seen that it's this and i'm like yeah, yeah. that's me like <laughs> i can't imagine <laughs> in your lessons day to day how many times your information has recirculated and found its way back to you um that that's interesting. I mean, it's a good feeling to know that you're part of the conversation. I, I'm also pretty in touch with how entwined my teaching is with my teachers. Like, you know, I I I never won the lottery or or you know, I I, I never seem to win at bingo or like win the door prize at the at the church dinner or something. You know. I, I I consider myself a fortunate person, but the real, like, one of the main strokes of luck that I've had in my life has been the teachers that I've had. Like, how many great teachers can you reasonably expect to have in a lifetime? If you get, it, it's like saying how many great friends are you likely to have? You know, this before Facebook, you know, the average number of friends that somebody would say that they have was like the average in the United States was something like 1.5. <laughs> you know, if you average it out, how many really great friends do you have? You know, you're lucky if you have two, you're extremely lucky if you have three. Uh, it's the same with teachers. You know, if you can look back on your life, especially your early days uh, as a kid growing up and say that you had two or three life-changing teachers who, who 
opened your eyes and your ears and your heart to things that you didn't know were possible and inspired you to, 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 um, explore things for yourself, uh, you know, and really dig in. I mean, I would say that I had probably 10 of those teachers, you know, it's, it's a ridiculous embarrassment of riches. You know, um, when I look back on it, the number of teachers who inspired me, um, you know, starting with Jamie Thomas, my very first uh, ukulele teacher, you know, Peter Luongo, who I was with for many years in the Langley Ukulele Ensemble. I had teachers at university, Giorgio Magnanensi for new and improvised music, uh, Bob Pritchard for, you know, music theory. And and it just go, kind of goes on and on. Like, how many of those teachers can one person have? And And I feel like that for me was like a windfall. It was like, it was like winning the lotto. And, um, and of course, the sort of probably the number one for me is Chalmers Doan, who uh, now I live just 15 minutes down the road from from him. And he was the guy who started the Canadian ukulele program in the schools in the 1960s. So he really was sort of the first mover for Canadian ukulele. And now I get to play pool with him, you know, every Friday and write books with him. And it, and and. I can't even tell anymore where my ideas and my innovations in, in teaching and education be, end and sort of the influence of all of those teachers begins. I mean, they all kind of blend together. It's a long way of saying, I can't, you know, I give myself some credit. I do think I've innovated some nice things over the years and, and, and maybe, um, you, you know, explored some new territory for ukulele and for the way we teach ukulele. But man, is it ever entwined with two other generations of people who have been teaching ukulele and who I've been learning from either directly or by osmosis for, you know, my entire life. So I feel pretty fortunate and very humble about the whole thing. Do you know what it comes across and how you teach is very, very, you know, widespread. And, um, I, I'm very conscious that, uh, we need to wrap this up because we've got about two minutes left on the Zoom call. And oh, yeah. <laughs> the question I want to ask you is the question I asked you last time that I was really keen to share with the world. And we've had a completely different conversation this time. Like, uh, <laughs> That's we, we talked about completely different things last time and that conversation is lost forever, but I cherish <laughs> it. <laughs> um, and me. before we go, I just want to say of the current crop of ukulele players, and I would say from the kind of pandemic times onwards, there's been quite a few. I mean, are there are there any players that really stand out to you that you would say to people, check this person out if you want to get into the ukulele now? Well, it's it's, it's a kind of a huge question. Um, uh, uh, Some of the names are going to escape me, but I, you know, I've been hanging out a little bit more on Instagram than I ever have because I do see the ukulele community kind of congregating there, um, for sure. And in terms of you know education, I, I, I mean, for me, the jury's still out on whether or not you can really have a meaningful you know learning experience in like a twenty second clip. I. I'm not totally sold on that yet, but I do see people like Bernadette uh, doing some really consistent and good quality work. Um, and, you know, Ricky, you know, just showing up for people, leading the sort of virtual jam on Instagram. Um, I really love what um, um, Four String Boy is doing, Sammy. 
because I think he's really bringing this sort of, yes, we can all play together, but I'm also going to write original music. Um, I think that's, personally, I think it's incredibly important to write original music for the ukulele, to keep the voice of it evolving, not just to say, hey, look, we can imitate that thing over there, but look, here's something we can do that you all should be imitating because this sounds best on ukulele, you know, just sort of staking some ground for ukulele musically and sonically. And and I think Sammy's doing a really, really nice job at that, um, getting people excited about original work. And, you know, he's, he's great and creative and hip and fun. And, and, and uh, it's kind of doing what I'm trying to do with you kids where he's writing original stuff, but he's involving other people. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to have to cut you off there because we're going to get cut off the call, but yeah. Um, yeah. I could go Sam, on. Sammy is for me. Uh, yeah. He's one of my favorites. I like his slightly kind of uh, modern punk take on the, like he's got yeah, this, yeah. this unique way of doing it. Um, James, yeah. thank you so, so much, my friend. Like let's do this again in a year and see where we're at. And let's uh, yeah. In the meantime, I'm going to put all the important links in the video and uh, selfishly, if you really enjoyed this, please do look at my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash ukes of alex um so that was the moment that i cut off james hill because i ran out of time um but i just want to sign off by saying that james hill is one of the most important living ukulele players out there today he's probably the first ukulele player of the 2000s that's really helped jumpstart an entire generation of players along with jake of course and there will be other names that i'm not mentioning but for me seeing james hill innovate on the ukulele now for the past 14 years and watching him get more involved with the current crop of players is an absolute joy please do take a look in the description at the various things that james has done i'm just going to read the email now that james has sent me james is just uh <laughs> james did a little sign off at his end so i'm going to play that for you now um thank you so much folks i will see you again on the other side and now I'm just sitting here on my own. Alex is gone, but the mics are still on. <laughs> so wherever you are, Alex, thanks for the interview. Great to catch up with you, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Bye.